Amen. What a powerful song. Thank you, Mark, for singing that song for us and doing it so well. As the preacher sometimes says, I think we could give an invitation and go home right now. But preachers rarely do that. They go ahead and preach anyway. But truly, what a message. Thank you. Mark and Brenda are such a delight to have here at Cornerstone. What a blessing. Well, let's turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. We're going to finish up our look at the fruit of the Spirit that we've been doing over the past number of weeks. And we come to the, the last of these character qualities that the Holy Spirit is at work to try to produce in all of us. Because remember, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. This is not like spiritual gifts. It's not uh, some will have a certain gift, but others will have a different gift. Uh, With the fruit of the Spirit, all of these qualities, the Holy Spirit is trying His very best to produce in each of our lives. And uh, some of us, it's harder than others to produce various of these qualities. But if we will cooperate with him, if we will walk in the Spirit, he will produce the fruit of the Spirit rather than us being controlled by the lust of the flesh that he had previously described. We come to a character quality really here that is vital to an effective Christian life. You might could say that this quality is forged and produced with the help of all the others. And unless we let the Holy Spirit control us to bring self-control into our lives, then it's going to be very hard for the love of God, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering. It's going to be very hard for any of that to really... shine forth, show forth in our lives. And so we look at self-control. Look at Galatians 5 and uh, reading the list once again, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, and the but is saying basically, as opposed to the lust of the flesh that he had previously listed, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and we come to the final, and I've fallen over into King James English here, I'm sorry. Uh, That's how I memorized it. Faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance is the word in the King James. The new King James uses the word self-control. Self-control. And that is what is meant by the word temperance. Now, you see this Bible on the communion table up here. Uh, uh, There was a little church just up the road from where Rose's parents live in the holler that they live in in West Virginia. And her grandfather actually, I think, preached some at that little church, which no longer meets. The building was just kind of let go. And a few years ago, her mother or family, they rescued this Bible out of that little church. That Bible, uh, which she then gave to us, it is uh, copyrighted 1868, 
and you're certainly welcome to come and look, look at that and look through that Bible anytime you want to. But in that Bible is this, is this little note written, I would say, it doesn't have a date on it, but it had to be in the early part of the 1900s because it says, and this was probably an announcement the preacher was supposed to make in church, the Woman's Christian Temperance Union will meet at the home of Mrs. Albert Barnes on Masonic Avenue Monday evening of this week. A cordial invitation is extended to all. The Woman's Christian Temperance Union. And you know what that had reference to, right? This was in the Prohibition days, right? Or the drive to bring about Prohibition. There you had the Temperance Leagues, the Temperance Unions, trying to bring about the outlawing of alcohol in the United States. And they succeeded for a little while. And then it was repealed, wasn't it? But the word temperance, even in relation to those folks who were working their best to try to outlaw alcohol because they knew that alcohol breaks down a person's self-control. And that's where the word temperance was used with the, the temperance union. That people need to be in control of themselves. And that's one of the things, among many others, that can help break that self-control down. Now, I'm not here to, to talk about or debate the issue of whether prohibition should or should not have. It just didn't. It didn't work, did it? It didn't stay. Uh, and uh, that's, we're still struggling with that uh, in America today. We have uh, some drugs that are outlawed, but alcohol is a drug. And we're two-faced, we're hypocritical in America because it is perfectly legal to uh, get blasted with certain drugs in America. And we really haven't come to grips with that. Self-control goes out the window. And as a result, there's so much harm to families and individuals. And the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in us something other than that. He wants us to be in control really under control, under the control of the Spirit. And so Paul concludes his list of the fruit of the Spirit by adding self-control at the very end. And this particular expression of the fruit of the Spirit is significant when you see it in the context of the works of the flesh that we saw in Galatians 5, 18 to 21. People who are not in control of their desires, their lusts. And so you have that list mentioned in verses 18 through 21. The works of the flesh are evident. Out of control, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And so Paul has set forth the fruit of the Spirit in direct opposition to what the works of the flesh are. And right here, bringing home the, the final statement about it is the word self-control or temperance. Laws seek to restrict and penalize people for out-of-control behavior. 
But laws can never change a person's heart. Laws can never bring self-control. They can only uh, try to bring some order to society and punish those who are not in control of what they do. The scripture, though, tells us that for the Christian, we can be under the control of God's spirit. We can have self-control. We don't have to be uh, completely at the mercy of our desires, our emotions. Instead, we can be under the control of God. The writer of Proverbs said in, in Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So if you are in control of your emotions, that's a powerful thing. More powerful, the Bible says, even than someone who is considered mighty or is able to take control of a city, if you can just control yourself. And it's so important. The tragedy of a person without self-control is described in Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So a city that's broken into and left without walls is what? Defenseless. It's at the mercy of whoever or whatever wants to attack and so if you're not in control of yourself, your emotions, your desires, your appetites, if you're not in control, you're wide open to attack. The attack of Satan or whatever people would bring into your life, you're wide open because you will be easily manipulated and driven to actions and decisions that will bring ruin to your life. And so self-control is so vital to have a meaningful life and a life that God can use for his kingdom and for his glory. Now look first that self-control is only possible through the power of God. The kind of self-control the Bible's talking about is not only what uh, you know a person who just manages to stay out of prison maybe can do, but it goes deeper than that uh, to bring you to a life that is truly a life that matters to God, for God, that accomplishes the purpose and the plan of God. And that is only possible through the power of God. It is God's will that we live with control over ourselves. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us, to every Christian, so that we might have the strength of of soul and mind and heart that is necessary to take control of self, to be victorious over the desires that we have. We believe the Holy Spirit wants us to maintain control over our attitudes, our appetites, our ambitions, and our actions. And really, when we talk about self-control, it's only possible through God-control as we submit our lives to him, as we turn over control to him. And then the Holy Spirit helps us to maintain control over our emotions, over our moods, over our imaginations, over our thoughts. We don't have to be a helpless victim to all of the 
the thoughts and the moods and the emotions that come our way. We can be under God's control. Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy. It's a struggle. But we need to be in the struggle as we submit ourselves daily to God's control. And then he will bring self-control into our lives. The Holy Spirit can assist us and help us to control our temper, our tongue, our talents, our treasure, our time, all of the things that God has blessed us with. We don't have to be as a person who's just driven one way and then another by whatever wind or fad or emotion happens to come along. Instead, we can be centered on what God would want for us. Secondly, self-control is vital to the Christian life. A disciple is someone who has voluntarily accepted the discipline of being a follower of Jesus. This morning we talked about Jesus' challenge. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. That's a disciple, someone who has committed their life to Jesus and now is walking with him and living for him day by day. And right at the heart of the word disciple uh, is the same root that we get the word discipline from. It takes discipline to be a disciple. Control, being under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you consider yourself to be a disciple, but don't recognize the importance of self-control, not just doing whatever comes to mind, not just saying anything that comes into your head. You know, there are people that think that telling the truth means they have to say everything that crosses their mind. That's, a, that's not good. Don't say everything you think. You, some things are better off never said. I'm not telling you to lie. Just don't say everything that you think, okay? And the Holy Spirit will give you the control to just not say some things. And that helps you to have a happier home and a better work life. It makes the church work a lot better. Sometimes we just need to be in control. And the Holy Spirit can bring that to our spirit and help us to have control over those thoughts and those things that we might say and things that we shouldn't say. And so we need to learn from Jesus. Jesus was the perfect example as well as the Savior because Jesus, he spoke when he needed to, but he always spoke in a way that pointed people to truth. He didn't answer every attack. Sometimes when people were trying to trap him, he just didn't say anything. Or he would respond with a question, but he didn't allow people to just drag him into needless arguments and fights. And we could all learn well from that. The Holy Spirit would give us the self-restraint, self-control, self-denial, self-discipline that helps us to restrain ourselves when we're faced with temptation in all the forms that it can come at us. Self-control is a part of our heritage as Christians because the Holy Spirit 
has been given to us to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which includes self-control. Therefore, don't let it be said, don't, don't cop out by saying, well, I can see some of those qualities in me, but I just can't help it. I just can't help it. I can't be in control. Well, you can be under the control of the Holy Spirit, and you can let God reign in your life. You can do it. The Holy Spirit has enough power to help you if you want to, and if you will allow Him to help you. That's true for all of us. Uh, to say otherwise is to say the Holy Spirit is incapable of helping you and doing what God wants done in your life. And we know that's not true because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And God is all-powerful. He is almighty. And he can help us have self-control. Self-control is an inward quality and a personal responsibility. All of us have to accept responsibility for all that we are and for all that we do. And we cannot deceive ourselves by thinking that we can just blame others for our lack of self-control. Well, I just couldn't help it. That person said something to me, and I just couldn't control myself. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, I just couldn't help it. That's a cop-out. That isn't true. And we live in a day where more and more we're seeing it play out this weekend. There are people that don't think people are personally responsible for what they do. The person who does it. They want to blame somebody else for it. And so we live in a day where somebody has no connection to a person. They had nothing to do with a crime that's committed. And they're getting blamed for what happened. Instead of the person who committed the criminal act. That is not a biblical viewpoint. We are responsible for what we do. Nobody else. We have to take responsibility for our actions. And so we need to be in control of ourselves so that we do the right thing and don't do the things that would bring dishonor to the name of Jesus Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit in us, no external force can compel us to do what is against what God wants. We have to give in to it. We have to deliberately yield to it. It is within us, the Holy Spirit within us, enables us to be in control. And if we're not, it's a choice that we have made. It is a sin that we have chosen to commit. Self-control is a moment-by-moment -moment way of life. It isn't, oh, I have self-control, I'm home free, that's it. No, it's a moment-by-moment it's a -moment way of life. We might be uh, in control through the power of God at one moment, but if we let up or let go and stop yielding to the control of the Spirit of God, then the next moment we may not be in control. And so we can't delude ourselves into thinking, oh, I've arrived at this thing of self-control. No, nobody has yet arrived. Someday we will arrive on the shores of heaven. And we won't have to deal with this anymore. And again, I'm talking about living the Christian life, not whether you're saved or not saved. I'm talking about as a Christian, we 
have to deliberately yield ourselves day by day to the control of God's Spirit, even moment by moment. Our fleshly nature, with its many appetites, would drive us to do and say things that are not what God wants. A wise teacher said, Character is developed only as a man resists his inward inclinations toward evil. A man must keep a tight rein on himself and never relax it. It is an ongoing thing. But the Spirit of God is there, living within us to help us moment by moment. Self-control is not a permanent achievement, but a way of life to be practiced moment by moment and in every experience of life. And then finally, self-control is evidence of a spirit-controlled life. So we, we, uh, the scripture uses the word temperance or self-control, but it's not so much self-control as it is God-control. The Spirit of God producing this in us. But he not only will do that, uh, he, he loves to do that. That's what he is working to produce in us every day that we live. And if we want to experience this fruit of the Spirit, which includes self-control, be in control of our thoughts and our desires, our appetites, then there are several things we really need to do in response to the, the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit indwells us meaning he's come to live in your life. And the reason we would say that, the Scripture makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And so if you've accepted Jesus into your life, how can you think you don't have his Spirit? You, you, can't, you can't cut God into pieces. Well, I have Jesus, but I don't have his Spirit. I have God, but I don't have the Spirit of God. Uh, if you have Jesus Christ, you have all of who God is, including his spirit living within you. They are three separate and distinct personalities, but one God. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, that's once and for all. He never leaves you, never, ever will leave you again. But it's not a given that you are going to be filled with the Spirit at every moment. You're indwelled by the Spirit, but to be filled with the Spirit is for you to deliberately choose to let the Holy Spirit fill every room in your house, so to speak, and control you. And that's where this fruit then can be produced, uh, the way that God wants it to be produced, including self-control. We have to recognize the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit who has come to live within us and that he's always there. Just recognize the Holy Spirit lives within you. And secondly, believe in what the, word, the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Take the scripture at, at what God says. The Holy Spirit is at work to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Listen to what the Spirit says as he speaks to you. Does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Well, he's trying to. There's a still small voice. Sometimes people chalk it up. Oh, that's the conscience. 
Well, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And so when these thoughts come into your head, I really ought to do this. I really should do that. Don't just dismiss that. The Spirit is speaking to you. But the Spirit also wants to speak to you most clearly right here, doesn't he? Through the Word of God. If you're not opening the Bible, you're closing a perhaps the primary avenue by which the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you, teach you, guide you, strengthen you, show you what he wants. So we must give ourselves over to the scripture. We must listen to what the Spirit is trying to say to us. And then, through that guidance and that help and that strength, we can have self-control. And we can exhibit these qualities that he will produce in us. We must rely on the guidance of the Spirit as he tries to help us understand the truth of God and how it applies in our lives day by day. John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. That's, that's what Jesus said about the work of the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. That the Spirit will guide you into all truth, and he will show you what God wants for your life. And then we must trust in the power of the Holy Spirit as we face life. Does he have the power to do what he says he's trying to do here, the fruit of the Spirit? Can he really produce that in you and me? Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power. And so the Holy Spirit does give you the power by his strength and grace and guidance to be able to do what God wants you to do. And finally, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You're here tonight. When you open the Bible, you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. When you come and worship and join yourself with other believers so that you can encourage and help others and be strengthened, you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He will make you stronger through that. When the Spirit seeks to guide you to, to minister to someone, to help someone, if you'll, if you'll obey that, the Holy Spirit will use that to make you stronger in your faith. To grow you and make you more of what He wants you to be. To develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So cooperate with God. Don't, don't say, well, I just don't feel any of that. But you're not, open, you're not availing yourself of anything, any avenue that God has to try to strengthen you and help you. God will provide the power. But you have to be willing to cooperate with Him. And so as we close this look at the fruit of the Spirit, I hope that you see that God wants to set you and me and all believers free from the control of destructive forces, ideas, desires, things that would keep us from exhibiting the power of God 
in our lives. If we want to have mastery over ourselves, then we have to let the master control us. There's only one master who is worthy of our devotion and our worship, and that's Jesus. And his spirit so much wants to produce this great and wonderful fruit to give us a life that is worth living and a life that will really count for Jesus, to touch others and to point people to the only one who can set them free, even as he has set us free. Would you pray with me? We thank you so much, Lord, for the fruit that your spirit is at work to produce in us. Lord, we confess to you how often we have fallen short, but yet we know your grace is sufficient to cover all of our sin, past, present, and future. And so we rest in you, we trust in you, and we ask you to help us, Lord, that we might more and more with each day reflect this description of the character of God himself your character. Lord, may we look more and more like you as the fruit of your spirit becomes evident in us. Now in this time of decision, of invitation, we pray you'll lead us. If there are decisions we need to make, Lord, help us to hear your voice clearly and may we respond. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to